0: Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. <laughs> Tripod Talk Radio. Today is Saturday, March 26, 2011, and we have two special guest Tripods members on the line. Joining us from Maine are the owner of Agile Cowdog Maggie, a.k.a. Tracy, and Gina, who is owned by various Jack Russell Terriers. Maggie had her rear left leg amputated due to soft tissue sarcoma on October 20th, 2009, and Gina is a licensed veterinary technician with 20 years of experience working in the holistic vet field for the past nine. We'll be discussing Maggie's canine cancer treatment options and homeopathic vet care in general. So call 310-388-9739 with your questions or join us in the live chat at tripod.com slash chat. Tracy and Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Jim and
2: Renee. Okay, and
3: thank you. We're so glad you're here today. Um, we'll start with you, uh, Tracy, Um Why don't you tell us a little bit about Maggie and um, what her life was like before she became a tripod? Um, For those uh, of our uh, listeners who aren't familiar with Maggie, um, we'd love to to hear a little bit about her uh, incredible background as an agility dog.
2: Well... Prior to Maggie being amputated in 2009 of October, she was a very active dog. She We did a lot of hiking and we did ski-joring in the winter, and she competed in agility from one and a half years old to almost nine. Um, I had all decided that I was going to continue doing agility with her after she got her championship, but as we all know, cancer took care of that. But she's doing well now. That is terrific. And um, when you say she's doing well, is
3: she still doing uh, agility? What kind of uh, competitions does she do now, if any?
2: Uh, she's been retired from what I call the big dog agility, but she now competes in rally obedience and also competes in the Wagget games, which is that one of the classes in waggot games is similar to agility. It's sort of like mini obstacles, like your cavalettis and hoops and things that that she can do and she's also the poster child the heart for the heart dog program she's actually the one that inspired the owner of wagget training center to um start the heart program for wagget games that is terrific we're so happy to hear because it's my
3: understanding that uh tripods are not allowed to compete in um sanctioned
2: agility events is that true well, it depends on the venue. In the venue that I did compete in, in NADAC, they are allowed in um, three classes, I think. But truthfully, I don't think it's really safe for Maggie to be weaving weave poles um, because they're only about 24 inches apart at speed. And Maggie's taller than a tunnel. A tunnel is 24 inches in diameter, and she's 25 and a half inches tall. So going at great speed with three legs, it's just not not safe, in my opinion. That makes a lot of sense. That's something that that hadn't even occurred
3: to us. That I can I can totally see that. So now with these Waggett games, um, they're creating um, specific events just for uh, physically
2: challenged dogs. Well, it's not specific events. All the events are the same for any dog, except for the Heart Dog program is for the disabled dogs. And so, for instance, Maggie doesn't have to do as many sits as a four-legged dog has to do. So she's um, judged with the other disabled dogs, not with the four-legged dogs. Oh,
3: cool. Okay, well, we'll look forward to following along with her uh, her competitions there. That sounds really neat. And uh, with all that in mind, um, when you first heard that Maggie was going to be a tripod,
2: what did you think her life would be like when she lost her leg? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Renee. But actually, um, I guess my first first thoughts about her life after amputation were pretty uneducated. I also didn't even find Tripods.com until about three months after. Um, I didn't realize what a life-changing thing it would be for both her and I. Um, I was living in the moment, and that moment was causing her a severe amount of pain and I just knew I had to fix the pain somehow so I didn't look that far ahead
1: Mm-hmm.
3: and um, what did you what did you picture after she lost her leg and you saw how she was, was getting around um, what kind of changes what, you say it was life changing in what sense was it for you two
2: well like I said I I, I didn't look that far ahead, and I didn't know any other tripods other than one, and she was a small dog, and she could just fly right around like crazy. And I Maggie wasn't having those same effects, and um, I guess I had to look at her, and I thought she was like you know the only dog in the world that was having a hard time with amputation until I joined Tripods and realized that she was very common, um, but it was really hard for me to look at her wh- right after amputation. And thankfully, Gina was there, and she had seen a lot of those types of surgeries and assured me that it went well and that she was doing fine or as to be expected. But, of course, um, I kind of questioned that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and
3: and why was that? Um, you say she was having a hard time in, in what sense?
2: Uh <laughs> Well, I just was, you know, what did I do to my dog, you know, my agility dog, my no longer agile dog. Um, it was really tough. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was more tough for you than it was for her? Most
3: definitely, most definitely. And and what kinds of uh, things that you saw on tripods or, or heard about um, helped you overcome that?
2: Well, the, the biggest thing, like I said, was that I learned that I wasn't the only one in the world that had a dog that had a hard time after amputation, after the surgery. Um, she was really sick after surgery, about five days after. She went off her food and had a low-grade fever, and after several trips back and forth to, to local vet and the surgeon, they couldn't find what was wrong with her, why she wouldn't eat, why she had a fever. We switched her antibiotics that didn't work and I just felt alone and like she was like I said the only dog on the planet that ever had a hard time after amputation so tripods unfortunately like I said I only found it 3 months later when I wished I had known about it in October so and what's your life like now now
3: that the the worst part is over and and it's it's been a long time now um how would
2: you describe her life as a tripod her life is fantastic now. Slowly and gradually, she's to the point of pretty much normal, although she's retired, like I said, from agility competition and from ski-joring, definitely. Um, like I said, I started competing with her in rally and then in new waggot games. Um, so most times I think she really feels like a normal dog. Um, she's up to about an hour of walking now, which is about a mile, and there's hills in there, Um she gets lots of compliments from her competitor, from our, my competitor friends on how happy and fantastic she looks. And if I get anything out of competing with her these days, it's those types of compliments that really tug at your heartstrings. Aww. And you have a lot to do with that because
3: you are uh, really dedicated to Strengthening exercises and and balance games and things like that. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, what types of of uh, physical uh,
2: activity you do with her to, to keep her strong and, and getting those compliments? Yeah, um, because of tripods. Um, basically, when I listened to Dr. Waldman's chat once t- once on live chat. Um, she really kicked me in the butt and her conversation about rehab and doing um, you know, the cavalettis and the bouja board and the balance pad and Maggie was already used to a lot of those things because of her agility training. So many of the props that I use now for PT work such as the cavalettis and the bosu board, she was already used to, but you know, I didn't need to train it. She knew it, but I needed to teach her how to do it with three legs and with confidence. And with agility, balance is a big thing because, you know, like moving on the seesaw, running at the seesaw and and banging it down or running at speed over planks or weaving through the poles. Uh, she, you know, knew balance, but she had to learn it on her three legs and get strong. Mm-hmm. Do you think she had um, a, an easier time because of, of her background? Did that
3: really help her out?
2: I would say yes and no, yes, because she was already clicker-trained and trained to interact with objects and to, you know, throw me behaviors and to uh, get on things easily. Um, But the other part is that she's very fearful if she gets on slippery surfaces, on slippery floors, and, and, and that still holds true today. So my house is a patchwork of rugs over my hardwood floors, Or if I'm in hotels that have Brooklyn Fours or whatever, she wears those uh, PAWS rubber boots on her back foot. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not anything that she's ever gotten over.
3: Yeah, that's a a difficult thing to to work with. We love the PAWS boots because you can carry them around. Um, Anybody who hasn't seen them, go to our gear blog and look up PAWS, P-A-W-V. These little rubber boots, they look like balloons, and they go on your dog's feet. They're um, they're tiny enough to carry in your wallet, so you can always be prepared if you encounter some kind of slippery surface. Um, we love them, too.
2: Um, yeah, so tell but,
3: me um, – oh, go ahead, Tracy. I'm sorry.
2: I, I was just going to say I carry them everywhere. They're in my car. They're in my purse. They're in her, Maggie's gear bag. They're everywhere. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, can
3: you tell us a little bit about how your sister Gina's background um helped you in
2: in managing Maggie's recovery? Oh my god. Her background was invaluable because like I said earlier, I felt like I was totally alone and every time I made a trip to the vet when Maggie was sick after surgery, they just shrugged their shoulders and was like, well, we don't know why she's not eating and we don't know why she has a fever and let's try this different antibiotic. Let's try this nauseated, you know, nausea medication and nothing worked. But with Gina's background in holistic medicine, we got her fever down with Belladonna, a homeopathic remedy, and we also, I also gave her a supplement called Parotid by Standard Process and she would literally eat that out of my hand. And it's, The parotid is to clear all the chemicals out of one system. And Maggie wouldn't, I had a hard time to get her to eat food, but she would readily eat those, those tablets out of my hand. And with time, we got her fever down, and then she started eating again. But let me tell you, I was on the phone, because Gina and I lived such a far apart, I was on the phone with her constantly. And she was a dramatic help. I really don't know what I would have done without her.
3: You're so lucky to have her. Um, I'd like to introduce Gina now. Um, Gina, can you uh, share a little bit about your background and um, what got you interested in the field of, of homeopathic veterinary medicine?
1: Well, um, Renee, that's a great question. Um, I studied animal science at the University of Maine, and after graduation in 89, I became a licensed vet tech. Um, I worked as a surgical nurse at a local vet office for about 15 years. Absolutely um, loved doing surgery, but uh, my uh, mind set on medicine was changing as I saw, um, animals just not do well with conventional medicine, and it just discouraged me. I'm really sensitive to suffering. I'm sensitive to animals not feeling well. And little by little, um, my whole changed. My whole thought process changed. So about nine years ago, I changed to a holistic animal clinic. It was about a three-hour move south for me. And um, mostly the major reason why uh, my mindset changed is I had a cat that was diagnosed at six years old with chronic renal failure, uh, so kidney failure. After a lot of conventional diagnostics and a really grave prognosis, um, he was actually given two weeks to two months to live by Angel Memorial Hospital in Boston, um, I turned to holistic medicine, you know, not really having anywhere else to go. And I did a lot of my own personal research about mostly herbs back then and supplements. And finally, um, an owner of a pet store referred me to Dr. Charlie Loops a veterinarian that practices homeopathic medicine. So after I reached him and did a lot of things for that kitty, he lived very comfortably for two more years, which is, of course, oh what going passion alternative medicine.
3: That is an incredible
1: story. Wow. <laughs> he he was an incredible cat. <laughs> oh,
3: my gosh. And tell our, our listeners
1: a little bit about Dilly, um, your, uh, your dog. Oh, Dilly's another cat. really success story. Um, she, again, was treated by um, Dr. Charlie Loops. It was when I was still working in conventional medicine. Um, She had a swelling on her lip that would come and go, but unfortunately, she was kind of notorious for getting into porcupine quills, so I (laughs) thought it was that, (laughs) but one day I decided to do a little local and try to explore that area for the porcupine quill and Lo and behold, when I opened it up, I realized that was not a quill. That was actually, like, fibrous tissue. I knew that was cancer. So I sent it in for biopsy, and sure enough, um, my worst nightmare, it came back um, as grade 2 mast cell cancer, which gives her about a 50% chance of survival, if you're talking um, to the um, to the histiopath. So, uh, again, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, so um, went turned to Dr. Loops after my experience with my kitty, And uh, Dilly is still here, um, sleeping on her bed right now at 16 years old.
3: Oh, my gosh, that's
1: wonderful. I was wondering how (laughs) she were doing. That's terrific.
3: Yes. Uh Well, um, you've had these great success stories, and I know a lot of our listeners are really interested in in homeopathy and um, holistic medicine, but it it just seems so mysterious and overwhelming. Um, What are some ways that people can, can take the mystery out of it and and how can it be more accessible for someone like me? I, I mean, I have no idea where to start. Um, do you have books or, or websites that you recommend
1: um, for beginners to check out? Sure. Um, homeopathics can seem mysterious. Um, it is an energy medicine, so it it works a lot with the energy of a body like acupuncture does. So usually when I compare it to acupuncture, people get a little more warm about it. <laughs> Some people can even compare it to quantum physics because, again, it's about it's it's not about the substance anymore. It's about its vibration. So um, if you understand quantum phys- physics, you'll probably understand homeopathics. <laughs> I don't claim to understand either very well. <laughs> but it works with the animal's own ability or their vital force. So um, for such a chronic disease as cancer, Homeopathics should only be prescribed by a classical homeopathic veterinarian if you're looking at curing or at least palliating that cancer for a long life. So you really should consult a classic homeopath because they'll take the entire case in for that particular animal, find their idiosyncrasies that make them special, and figure out a constitutional or a whole body program for them. But in sudden illnesses like Maggie had with her fever, or bee stings, acute pains. Um, you can pick up a homeopathic kit. They and if you buy a you know, a nice kit at a thirty C and thirty C is the potency or strengths. So if you buy a nice kit at thirty C, then it usually comes with a cheat sheet. So that cheat sheet will say, you know, fever or cough or your type of cough. That cheat sheet is great and it can it should only be used and thought of for these acute things. 30C, when I talk about that strength and potency, the reason why I recommend a 30C for people is because it works more broadly. So it works more like, say, if you're talking shooting guns, it works like birdshot does. So if you shoot birdshot, it kind of spatters. So you can hit a lot of things with birdshot, and it's not as powerful. But if you look at the higher potencies that homeopathics come in, like a 200C, they're more powerful, but they have to be prescribed more accurately because they have less of a spectrum, if that makes sense. So um, a 30C is really the best kit for a beginner or somebody that's just using it for these acute problems and the higher potencies left to the homeopaths. Um, if you're looking to buy one of these nice kits, they they make emergency kits. Um, there's several websites out there. I do know that a, numeral Z, A2Zhomeopathic.com numeral has nice kits and, a, and beginner's books, too. Oh, that's really good to know. You've you've just explained so
3: much because I I've I seen those 30C descriptions and, and had no idea what that meant. So that's that's really really good to hear. Um, and and speaking of these kits and and acute instances, um, when it comes to amputation recovery, what are some uh, common remedies that people can use to ease uh, pain from from surgery recovery? What would you recommend?
1: Well, I've got um, some of the most popular, Arnica being, the, you know, one of the most popular. Arnica is used for um, surgical procedures no matter what type, whether it's an amputation or even a spay or castration. It's typically the first remedy I would reach for because it's good for bruising and bleeding. Belladonna, like Maggie was on. I think of that remedy when there's extreme pain, fever, you're red, you're hot, Your pain is so bad that you'll actually bite when normally you're not like that. Eyes are often dilated when you have pain and it's belladonna is needed. Bryonia being the next remedy I think of, that's actually a pain remedy. It's less of that intensity, but the animal might have fear of moving while in pain, and that's not always true. Some animals in pain will pace. So a bryonia animal will be actually fearful of moving because of the pain. Vomica, another popular one um, for pain. That type of pain, again, less of the intensity like belladonna has, but still angry with the pain. Maybe not snapping and biting so much, but if you go to move them, they're grumbly. Um, So those are the most popular for pain. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, Can these remedies be used in conjunction with conventional pain relievers, or should you stay away
1: from those if you're going to go this route? Absolutely, they can be used all together. There are no side effects to the homeopathic remedies. They can be saved; they, they are safe to be used with any other medicine. I do not believe in suffering, especially when you do something so artificial as um, an amputation, a spay, a castration. There's nothing homeopathic about those procedures. So I believe in using conventional medicine, but when conventional medicine gives side effects that make the animal worse, more miserable, or if they just don't stop the pain, there's a gap. There's still a lot of pain. I find the correct homeopathic remedy to stop that pain and make the animal feel better both physically and mentally.
0: Maybe we could talk for a minute about Maggie's specific treatment options and how you came up with them and how you believe they're working.
1: Well, we chose Belladonna again. She had incredible pain before that amputation, and that pain continued, I believed, after amputation. Um, not the same kind of pain, but she was still experiencing a lot of intense pain. And then, of course, the fever on top of it really pointed towards the belladonna. The parotid supplement that she's speaking about is famous for helping clear drugs. Um, so it, it was a pretty classic case. Can you spell that supplement for us? Yep, P-A-R-O-T-I-D. Carotid. Okay, good to know.
0: And that's for pain?
1: That one is actually to help clear the anesthesia and the drugs from the system to make them feel like they'll eat.
0: Oh,
1: That is interesting. Yes.
3: Um, Now, how about long-term pain relief for tripods who have sore muscles and and arthritis? Are there um, remedies for those types of situations?
1: Absolutely. Um, Chronic pain um, that may occur after an amputation, I would highly suggest using a classical homeopath that would take the entire case because they would take the case right from the beginning when the animal still had the cancer, still had the leg. Um, So they would be the most accurate at finding remedies that would fit that particular case. Um, You could use some of the ones I mentioned. Um, They can also work for chronic pains. But again, you know, anybody with any cancer background, I would really to get the best benefit from homeopathics, I would consult a, a homeopath. And how does somebody find a homeopath? Well, um, you know, there is the A V H dot org which has um certified homeopaths listed. Um often I try, um, within the community to find who's had the most Success and also the most experience with whatever um, your animal is dealing with. That's why I chose Dr. Loops. He actually specializes in cancer itself. Um, He has a lot, a lot of experience. So the more experienced homeopath, the better.
0: Uh, Since we've mentioned Dr. Loops quite a bit here, I just wanted to let listeners know that they could search the nutrition blog at nutrition.tripods.com for Dr. Charles Loops, and there are a number of posts. uh, that he has provided input on.
3: Now, um, getting back to to you, uh, Tracy, um, uh, Maggie did not have uh,
2: chemotherapy, is that correct? That's correct. No, she did not have chemotherapy. Um, we had a hard time figuring out what type of soft tissue sarcoma she had, never did figure it out after many special stains. And actually, uh, because she was so sick after surgery, uh, the two reasons why she didn't have chemo, because she was so sick after surgery and because we could not pinpoint the exact soft tissue sarcoma that she had, um, the vet didn't suggest that she have chemo. And truthfully, in the back of my mind, I kind of was happy with that decision um, because of my holistic views but I didn't completely rule it out. I was going to do it, but Maggie kind of decided that we weren't going to. And uh, and if somebody wanted to pursue
3: homeopathy in uh, at the same time as, as traditional chemotherapy,
1: is that something that could happen? I mean, can you do both? Absolutely. I find that a lot of... Um, You know if you're talking conventional medicine it's suppressive that's how it works it suppresses symptoms it suppresses disease and whenever things are suppressed it's sort of like putting your finger in the dike that's leaking it's going to pop out somewhere else so when you have suppression often homeopathics will work because then very unique symptoms come out with that particular animal we had a dog spay for instance the other day that um, you know, got regular conventional medicine for her pain that would occur after a spay, when she went home, she was grumpy. That's not normally her. So we actually dosed her with Nux vomica, and she came around. But I've had another dog that didn't want to be moved after a spay. She was fearful of moving. She got bryonia. So you can see how that suppression of disease can actually bring out uniqueness.
3: Yeah, that is really interesting because we see a lot of that with our members. Um Gina, why don't you give your clinic a a little plug
1: real quick. Where do you work? (laughs) I work at Animal Wellness Center for Dr. Judy Herman, and I continue my technician duties there, but we're also a holistic animal hospital that practices reduced vaccine protocols, whole food nutrition, and homeopathics. Terrific. What is the website address for them? It's www.animalwellnesscenter.com. Thank you. We have
0: just about uh, a minute and a half left here, we do have one question from the forums at Tripods.com. ET Gale wants to know, I'd like to know where Tracy recommends getting supplements, et cetera. Do you get mail order pharmacy online or what?
2: <laughs> this is a good plug for Tripods. I go <laughs> on to their links, and then I usually go on to Amazon and find the best prices there. Um but then it also, you know, it depends on what I'm looking for, but typically that's where I start. But I, I buy all my supplements online because I'm a million miles from everything. And uh, that is great to hear. Thank
3: you for, for the little plug for us. Um, <laughs> do you have any any last bits of advice for somebody who's going through the, the amputation process right now, anything you'd like to
2: share? Oh, boy. Um Biggest thing I wish, um, like what I did after Maggie got amputation and after I found Tripods, you guys sent me some cards and some information, and I gave that to the surgeon that did Maggie's amputation. And she, in turn, used that for another client that was going to have a dog that was going to be amputated, and she thanked me for that. And I just wish that, you know, we could get the voice out because, man, oh, man, it's a tough world doing that when you're all by
0: yourself. Well, that's our mission there at Tripods and we really want to thank you both. Our time is up here and we will post this podcast live online. For more information about healthy dog diets and canine cancer supplements, please visit nutrition.tripods.com or drop by the Eating Healthy Discussion Forum at tripods.com slash forums. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you online at tripods.com.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. right. You're
0: welcome. We see you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com.